welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. morning. Hello. You can be seated. Thank you. Thank you, band. Here we are. First service of 2020. It's exciting, isn't it? We're into the 20s, the roaring 20s. Not that it'll be like the 1920s. That seemed like a pretty hard time. The clothes were good. I liked the clothes. Um, Okay, so first message of 2020, I have the honour of sharing with you today. And as Pastor Chris very helpfully said to me when he asked me to preach the very first message, you know, this one only kind of sets the tone for the whole year of the church, you know, the direction that we're going. Yeah, so no pressure apart from that. Go for it. Okay, cool. I said, thanks, Pastor. All right, let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we love you. We come before you, God. We thank you for your goodness. You are so good. It is overwhelming how good and faithful and merciful you are. And God, we are here this morning to learn from you, to become better, to be more like you as we are meant to be. Thank you that you teach us, you look after us, you love us. God, we love you and we love one another. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read to you this morning from the book of Romans, uh, chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. And it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So if you are sitting in your seat thinking this sounds a little bit familiar, you would be right. If you were here last Sunday, you would have heard Hudson Browning preach an excellent message about being in the body of Christ and what that means. So he was talking about how we you know, do life as a team together within church. And it was a great message, great revelation, hilarious stories. I encourage you to download the podcast if you haven't already. Um, and it was great because I was listening to his message thinking, this is my message. That is exactly what I wanted to share with you one week later. So it's awesome. There's our confirmation. God is speaking to us, church, about being a part of the body of Christ and how we relate and connect with one another. It's important. So we belong to each other. I belong to you and you belong to me. Apart from each other, apart from the body, we are alone. We are absolutely out on our own, and it is not good. And it's not just me that is saying that. God said that right at the beginning. So in the beginning, God created the world. He created our earth. He created the first man, Adam. So he made Adam, and he placed him in the Garden of Eden. So Adam was surrounded by perfection, 
God's beautiful creation. He was surrounded by nature, he was surrounded by the animals, and he had full access to God. So looking at that scene, you would think that Adam had everything he needed. He had enough. He had more than enough, surely. But listen to what God says. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And I remember reading this for the first time and, and understanding what God meant when he said that Adam was alone. I was confused because I, I thought, but he's not alone. God, Adam had you. He could talk to you. He heard your voice. He, he was in this perfect place. But still, God said that he was alone because he didn't have any other people around him. So when God said this, he didn't just kind of look down on creation and observe that Adam was by himself. He didn't just narrate the scene to Jesus and the angels who were watching creation unfold. We know that when God speaks, he is incredibly powerful. His words create life and death. So when he spoke these words that Adam was alone, he didn't just speak it, he, he declared it, he made it to be so. He said that when we're alone, when there's no other people around us, we are on our own, even if we have a wonderful and rewarding and enriching relationship with God, our creator, which we do. We do have that. But apart, with, like without people, that picture is not complete because that's not how God designed it. He did not design us to do the Christian life on our own. So why do we need each other? Very simply, because we need help. It's impossible, impossible to do life on our own. It is too hard. We simply don't have all the resources, all the ideas. We just can't think of everything on our own. So we need each other. We need people to love us, to support us, to encourage us. We need people to relate to us. We need people to understand us. We need people to make us laugh. And we need people to cry with and um, I have had people who will cry with me and it's it's amazing it's a blessing one person in particular and her name is Nikki Ashby my dear friend and I have permission to share this with you about Nikki but Nikki is a crier she cries at the drop of a hat she can't help it it's a lovely quality any hint of emotion any kind of heightened emotion not just in the people around her but just a, an ad on tv if it's too sad or you know too emotional she just cries she can't help it it's a quality that i love about her because nikki is so sweet and so full of love and empathy for people that she just has to feel in herself what they are feeling and she cries to show it so uh, a year ago uh, yeah, January last year, uh, my son Austin started school. So our first child had his first day of school. Uh, and if you know Austin, you'll know that he is not a shy boy. He is a very confident kid. We're not quite sure where that came from, but there he is. 
So we took him to his first day of school. Uh, I didn't anticipate too many problems. But anyway, when it came time to uh, let all the kids go off to their classroom with the teacher, he would not let go of my hand. He was getting real nervous. And so, you know, all the other parents were leaving and he just wouldn't let go. And so the teacher said, look, it's okay. Why don't you come to the classroom with us and then you can say goodbye there. I said, okay. So we, John and I went to the classroom and got him settled. And then it was really time for us to go. Still wouldn't let go. In the end, the teacher actually had to prize him out of my arms because he was that upset. He was crying and, you know, I'm desperately trying to keep it together for his sake. It was awful. It was so hard. Um, so we left. We went, John and I went home. John went off to work. And um, thankfully, so Nikki and I and Maddie as well, we all had our eldest children starting school that day. So we'd arranged to meet up afterward, commiserate with one another um, and celebrate. <laughs> um, so Nikki came over first. And as soon as I started telling her what had happened with Austin, I just burst into tears like sobbing uncontrollably. I'm not talking just a couple of little tears. This was full-on messy crying. And not only did Nikki sit with me and listen to my story, she cried with me. And I can't even tell you how powerful that was and how comforting it was and just what a blessing it was to me to, to have someone there who will literally cry with you and experience these things with you. It was just so powerful. Um, so we need to receive love and support from, from one another. But just as much as we need to be given that from others, we also need to give it. And I'm, I'm not just saying that that's a nice thing that we should do for others. But we were created with a desire to give love and to help out each other because we were made in the image of God and he is the most kind, the most generous, the most loving and we were created to be like him. So whether we realise it or not, whether we like it or not, we actually have this innate desire inside of us to be of use to other people, to help them, to support them, to encourage them. It's just part of who we are. And a very clear example of that is the, the bushfire crisis that we can see happening, you know, in parts all over Australia. While there is so much tragedy and devastation going on, we also see the, the best of us, don't we? It, it's always the way. In these times, people do really pull together and you see extraordinary acts of heroism and bravery and courage, like volunteers literally giving up their time and even their lives to help strangers. You know, neighbours helping neighbours and people really looking out for one another. And, you know, we'll see now donations flooding in from all over the world and we have seen that. Even the singer, Pink, has donated half a million dollars to help victims of the fires going on in Australia. How crazy is that? And then that prompts other acts of generosity and all of those people being generous and showing their love, that is just Jesus working through us. That is just the qualities that God put inside of them when he made, when he made us, just shining through. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. God created us 
and ensured that we would look after each other because we were meant to do it. We can't help it. Even um, <clears throat> Acts 20 verse 35 says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Jesus spoke those words. And again, that is not just a lovely platitude and you know, a nice saying. The whole world knows that saying. But Jesus spoke those words, and just like God did when he said that without other people we are alone, Jesus made this saying true. It is more blessed to give your love and to give your help to others than to receive it. It feels great to receive it, doesn't it? How special and how blessed do you feel when someone relates to you? When you feel like someone knows you and someone understands you, like understands what you're saying or what you're thinking or what you're going through. It's so comforting to have that. But Jesus said, even more than that, it is actually more blessed to be that for someone else. So we need to help others and we need to be helped ourselves. So we know that the Bible has you know, many, many scriptures telling us to encourage one another, love one another, help each other. The Bible says to carry each other's burdens and to confess your sins to one another. Like, that's some pretty intense connecting right there, isn't it? To, to carry someone's burden and, and to hear someone's sins and to talk about your own sins openly with someone else. But that's what the Bible says to do. And for that to happen, there usually has to be some kind of relationship established first. Because most of us will not go up to a stranger and start confessing our sins. It's not usually like, hi, how are you going? Nice to meet you. These are my burdens. You know, we're not usually open like that with people that we don't know. So how can you know someone's burdens unless you ask them? How can you know what they are unless someone shares with you? How can you open up your heart and confess maybe some pretty heavy stuff without knowing and trusting someone and having them know you? So that's why the relationship has to be established first. Building relationships takes time and effort. But it is such important work. We must make a conscious effort to get to know other people and allow other people to know us. Because a time will absolutely come when you need people, not just people, but people who know you and know how to help you. Because we are all helped in different ways. We all need different things. So some of you will know that I'm an absolute cricket tragic. I love the game of cricket watching it, not playing it. I don't really play sport. <clears throat> I watch it. Um, so in about six months ago, the Ashes were played. So if you don't know, the Ashes are a cricket series played against England and Australia. Happens every couple of years and it goes over five test matches, five games. Um, the intense rivalry between these two sides is legendary. It goes back years and years and years. Um, so it's a very significant um, sporting rivalry. So because the Ashes were played in England this last year, 
to watch them, it was, they were played overnight here. So I would watch a bit at night and then go to bed. And occasionally, you know, if I woke up during the night, I would go out to the lounge room and check the score and watch a few minutes of the game. Um, and it got to the third, the third game. And if we won this game, we were actually going to win the series, which is huge. To win the Ashes in England is so exciting and very difficult. But this test match was playing out and we were going to win this match. We had been playing really well. England had been playing dismally. We were absolutely set up to win. It, was, it had become an unlosable test match for us. Got to the very last day and I think I watched a few hours before bed and then went to bed. And then um, John woke up during the night and checked the score and saw that we were one wicket away from winning this game. So England were batting. They had to chase down a huge amount of runs. I, I don't even remember how many, but they were not going to do it. It was just, it would be too hard for them. And we only needed one wicket. So John woke me up because um, he knew how much I would want to see us get this victory. So we're both up in the lounge room. It's probably like maybe two o'clock in the morning. Um, and I'm getting so excited because we're going to get this wicket, any ball, any ball that could be this wicket, and we would win the match, win the series. So we're waiting. And we're waiting. And we keep waiting. Come on, come on, come on, get this guy out. And it doesn't happen. England keep on batting and they keep on scoring runs and they're getting closer and closer to the amount that they need to win the game. And I'm starting to get really nervous, really agitated. I'm praying desperately that God would <laughs> help us win. I don't think God really minds too much who wins sporting matches. I don't know. The Bible says pray about everything. So, so why not? Give it a go, I say. I was throwing everything at it. And we lost the game. I know. England somehow held on. They should have lost. There were decisions that did not go our way, bad umpire calls, opportunities that we had that we fumbled and we missed. And somehow, somehow we lost that game. So I had been sinking into my chair, watching from behind my eyes and in the end I, I actually sunk down onto the floor in the fetal position. I was so shocked and so stunned by this loss. I know what you're thinking. You thought that I was normal and emotionally stable, didn't you? <laughs> Mostly I am. <laughs> Mostly I am. Anyway, I was <laughs> so devastated by this loss. It was brutal. You know, it's like three o'clock in the morning, it was all over and I, I was just stunned and so I went to bed and woke up the next day and still I just felt awful. I could not shake this feeling of grief. I mean, let's be clear, I knew that nothing bad had actually really happened to me. I know that it was just a game and, you know, not really a tragedy. But I just, I couldn't shake this feeling. I was so sad and shocked and upset and so I'm going about my day trying to forget it and I couldn't and so I, I tried watching highlights of the game that didn't help I was just going back there um, I went on Twitter I don't usually go on Twitter very much but it is kind of interesting to see other other people's instant reactions to you know events and stuff like that so I went on there and you know I just I needed to know that other Australians were feeling what I was feeling and they were of course, that helped a little bit. Um, but it was really the people around me that eventually helped me through this. Um, John was very helpful because 
Wally's not a cricket fanatic like I am. He does love the NRL. And so he said to me a few times, you know, I know how you feel, babe, like, you know, when my team has lost games that they should have won, it's, it's devastating, it's, it's a tough thing to take. You know, he was really kind. That, that really helped me that someone understood what I was going through. Because I'm here thinking, I know I sound crazy. I know that, you know, this is not actually a bad thing, but I just felt so weird and strange about it. But, you know, he said, I, I get it. I understand. So that helped me. And then talking to my dad as well, who was also a, a tr cricket tragic, you know, he understood and he was telling me about some other game that he had watched that was the same thing and he got it. And then the next day after that, I was here in the office on a Tuesday working and Ruth actually came up to me and said, Janelle, how are you feeling about Australians losing the game? Ruth isn't really a cricket fan. And I was so touched that she would actually come up and ask me how I felt about a sports game. And I do feel like it's probably only something one woman would say to another woman. I don't imagine too many men go up to each other and say, how, would, how did you feel about the game? How did you feel about the loss? I don't know. Maybe men do that. I'm not sure. But anyway, the fact that she did, because she knows me, like she knows how much I love the game and she knew that this would actually be significant for me. And so I was so thankful because I just felt this need to talk about it. And so I did. Um, and yeah, I was able to get past it and um, move on with my life. Um, <laughs> praise the Lord. It was a tough time. Um, but there was a lesson there that without the, the people around me, and this is just a somewhat silly example, but the principles are the same. I needed the people around me to move past it. So I tried, you know, like I said, going on Twitter, and that was somewhat helpful to see what strangers were saying about it. It helped a little bit, but it wasn't enough. I needed the people who knew me, the people who understood me, the people who related to me to really help me. And so that is also why we need each other. Because on our own, we get weird. We get a little bit crazy and we start to have thoughts going around in our head that need to be tested. And the way we test thoughts is through God and through other people. We need other people to say to us, it's okay that you're feeling like that, it's normal. But we need to say, no, you don't need to think like that because of this. I mean, what I was going through was nothing significant in the scheme of things. But what if you have thoughts that are significant, that need to be tested? Thoughts like... I don't feel like people love me, or I'm not sure that I matter, or I don't know if people care about me. Those thoughts need to be tested. You need to bring those thoughts to another godly person so they can tell you the truth about the matter. Do not, do not, please do not let those thoughts take a hold in your mind. They're wrong. They're from the enemy. So go to a godly person and test out those thoughts. Don't think that because you have burdens, you are a burden. You are not. Like I said before, people are created with a need to help you. They want to help you. People love helping out other people. So never ever think that your burdens will be too much for someone else. They're not. You will be helped.
Other people just don't see your problems the way that you do. Have you noticed that? They're huge in your head because we go around and around with them and we repeat them and they become bigger and bigger than they really are. But sometimes it takes someone else to say, no, that's okay, we can, we can get through this and this is how we'll do it. I'll help you. One uh, very clear example of that in my own life is parenting. Um, I've been a parent now for almost six years and man, it is difficult. I have three children and one of them is particularly, shall we say, um, obedience challenged. Yes, one in particular, <clears throat> you can probably guess who it is, really likes to test the boundaries, test us. And so many times, so, so many times, I have gone to people in this room and just said, I'm going to tear my hair out. I don't know what to do with this kid. He's driving me crazy. So many times I've gone to Ruth um, and just said, how do I handle this? You know, what do I do next? Um, Leah Cherkov has been an absolute treasure trove of solid parenting advice. Once I said to her, I don't know what to do with him. He's so naughty. Like, I can't seem to control this bad behaviour. And she said, um, have you tried a, you know, a chart, a behaviour chart? Like, just so, such good practical advice. And not only did she explain to me what to do, she dropped over to my house a, a chart, like a kit, on how to do it. And she'd even filled in the first page showing me exactly what to do. It was just like... <laughs> I was so blown away by the kindness and the help, and it worked. It was so good it, for that period, for that particular period of bad behaviour anyway. Um, it really worked. And I, I, I wouldn't have come up with that on my own. We just can't have all the ideas and all the solutions on our own. It just doesn't work that way. We need each other. So that scripture I shared before carry each other's burdens. That comes from Galatians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. That is so significant. The law of Christ is that we must carry each other's burdens. Now, burdens are heavy. It's right there in the name. They're not easy to carry. It's hard to carry our own, let alone someone else's. But we are instructed to do that. So going back to the metaphor of the, the body of Christ, you know, we're different parts, but we are one body. Whatever part of the body I am, I'm going to keep that body strong and fit and healthy and ready to go. Because there will come a time when a different part of the body gets a little bit tired or a bit weak or maybe gets injured and needs the rest of the body to hold them up and to pull them along. So when that happens, I don't want to be letting you down. I want to be strong. If I'm an arm, I'm going to lift weights and keep this arm fit and healthy and strong so it is ready to go when it is called up. When it's time to lift some heavy burdens, I want to be strong enough to lift them. <clears throat> so how do we stay fit and healthy? How do we keep our, whichever part of the body we are, how do we keep it strong and ready for action? We stay in relationship with God. We stay in the word of God. 
we keep humble, we keep growing, we keep coming to church, we stay teachable, and we stay connected to the right people. So this means being open with some people, which is a bit scary. It's hard sometimes and awkward to really share your heart with someone. You don't have to share your heart with everyone. In fact, don't. Don't be that person. Just have one or two trusted people who you can go and talk to when you need to. And if you don't have anyone, then start building those relationships. God will show you how. He's very kind. He's very helpful. He will lead you to the right people. If we're not careful, we can just get used to having shallow relationships with people and just being closed off and avoiding going any deeper. It's easy to do. It's kind of like when you're in a shopping centre and you know that there's someone up ahead who wants to sell you something, like a gym membership or, you know, I don't know, whatever. They're asking for money or whatever it is. And you know, eyes down, don't look at them. Get your phone out, pretend to be busy while you're running past them because you don't want to talk to them and, you know, you want to try and avoid those people. And it can be like that in life. It can be like that in church. We can just get in a pattern of, you know, eyes down, avoid their gaze, don't get too deep. But listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So right there, it says, we are not strangers. We are a part of this church, of this body of Christ. We're not strangers. We, we don't just pass each other by and not, not, not connect. We know each other. We love each other. We are a part of this household, God's own household. Maybe you have tried being open with people and it hasn't worked out. That happens. I've been there. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe someone didn't understand you. They didn't relate to you. They didn't help you. Maybe they even betrayed you. But I know that it is still better to obey the word of God, whatever the outcome. Even if the results are less than ideal, it is still better to build those relationships and to make yourself be open with other people. It is always better to, to be in obedience to God. There is always blessing in obedience, no matter what the consequences are. So I know that, yes, I have been hurt in the past. We probably all have at one stage. But I'm still going to pursue these relationships. I'm still going to open my heart to people and connect with people intentionally. Because that's what the Word of God tells me to do. That is where the work of the kingdom of God happens, in relationship. So I'm still going to do that work, even if sometimes it doesn't quite work out. People are going to disappoint us. Let's just put that out there and get that out of the way. Of course, it's going to happen. People are not perfect. Only God is perfect. Only God completely and 100% understands our hearts. 
only him. So we can go into these relationships with other people knowing that they're not perfect and having grace for them. We have to have grace for the people around us. So now that we are in 2020, I've noticed people getting uh, quite nostalgic and almost philosophical about the past decade, um, which is good. And one company researched it and surveyed a whole bunch of people and asked them what was their biggest regret of the past 10 years. And far and wide, the, the biggest regret that people had over the past 10 years was that they didn't put enough time into their relationships with friends and family. So people, most people did not regret that, you know, they hadn't earned enough money or furthered their careers or took, taken enough selfies or whatever. People didn't really care about that stuff when all was said and done. They, they regretted not spending enough time with the people that they knew and the, the people they loved. So let's not do that. Let's not look back and regret. Let's really love each other intentionally. And that is the first two commandments, isn't it? Love God and love people. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.